This week in Skullface Records. Now here's your host, President and CEO of Skullface Records, Nick Hines. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, thank you. Please, everyone, sit down, sit down. Ladies in the back, please put the shirts back on. Maybe later on you can take them back off, but right now, come on. And now for everyone around the world listening to Skullface Records Radio. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's time. It's time. It's time for the show. Uh, man, we're live in the studio. This is uh, This Week in Skullface. Um, we're here with Zach and Jason of the Grave Diggers Radio. Grave Digger Radio. Grave Digger Radio. Grave Digger Radio. Working title. What a cool name. <laughs> Grave Digger. That was the guy, you know, I'm a wrestling dude, so it all goes to this weird shit. Hulk Hogan, good guy. Mm -hmm. Undertaker, bad guy. Bigfoot, good monster truck. Grave Digger, the villain. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, when I watched him when I was a kid, I used to come on TBS, the Superstation. And, man, I always went for the Grave Digger. What a, what a neat name. Like what And what a cool, like, uh, what if that's your title back in the day? Um, where did you guys come up with this name, actually? We were kind of sitting in, in Jason's basement kicking around ideas because gotcha. when we started talking about doing a podcast, we're like, well, what's something kind of cool and horror related? That's, mm -hmm. You know, the big thing was what hasn't been done. Yeah, yeah. Because we sit there and just scroll yeah, it through. Yeah, takes a lot of Google searching. To yeah, make yeah, sure this ain't it. Oh, God damn it, this is a yeah. band in, in That's Guam. awesome. Gone. That's awesome. Taken. <laughs> so we sat there and we're like, okay, what's cool and spooky? I was like, well, graves. Graves are cool and spooky. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then so we started just kind of grave. And, and then Jason, I think he came up with the idea for like grave digger or something. I wanted to add the radio part for sure. Mm -hmm. I can't yeah. remember who came out with grave digger first, but. Mm -hmm. Um, also, I think part of the theme of the show is the idea of like uncovering or digging up, you know, cool Ooh, stories yeah, in history or around the world nice. or even locally that are have a spooky edge to them. Grave Digger Radio. Yeah. I like it more more times I say it. I always like the old story, sorry, about mm -hmm. the okay. Victorian England and mm -hmm. the Grave Diggers, the resurrectionists, you know, who would go around oh, wow. because you couldn't have cadavers in the med schools at the time. Okay. So there's this whole underground. Some people would even went in the business of killing people to provide cadavers because they can make big bucks Boom, on how the cadaver wow. underground. So yeah, how spooky is that? You go into town, you're meeting and greeting, yeah. and you're just kind of filling them out in the back of your head. You're like, yep, you're later. Yep, well, you're easy. You're later. <laughs> I think it was over in Scotland. There was two uh -huh. guys, and they would dig up freshly dug graves, Ooh. and they would take it, like you said, to the medical schools and sell them for good money. Wow. But yeah, what they would illegal. do is they would pose as grave diggers for whenever somebody died, and they would dig these shallow graves that they knew that they'd come back later and just what, dig them back up. What a what a fucking thing to have Sneak on the back, in your the, of the, the, the back of your conscience. Well, and like he was saying, not enough people were dying fast enough at that time, and the, the money was so good wow. that they would just start kind of finding, you know, there's there's a term called the less dead. Uh -huh. And it's, you know, you're like sex workers, homeless people, that people aren't really going to go looking for. That so kinda, they're like already dead. Yeah, they, they kind of float in and out of town, mm -hmm. and so nobody really knows when nobody they're missing. missing. Yeah. So they would just take them out and then sell them to the medical schools. I wonder if people think about that when they're going around. Because I have a lot of friends that just kind of go around with their other friends and skateboard in different towns. Mm -hmm. um, they all meet together and just kind of go to these places where they spend fire. And they live as homeless people sometimes when they're in these towns. Yeah. I wonder how much, how far that's went. Like, is that still relevant? Did, 
Is we're not cases? endorsing this behavior. No, right? not at all. <laughs> and we're, and we're not, but we're also saying don't dig behind the studio. Yeah, okay. exactly. Do not dig behind the studio, guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, the amount of people. Because the power lines. Exactly. Right. The power, power lines. lines. And the thing with law enforcement, there are so many cases of people that, mm-hmm. that do go missing that if people aren't really hounding them, they don't really look that hard for them. Gotcha. Because it's like, well, they may have left town, or if it's not an immediate pressing issue and they're gone, sometimes they don't really care at all. I would be interested in seeing the last case that, that's been shown that people are trying to do this type thing. And I would like to, I'd like to understand the person that tries to fight it. Like, can you imagine the person that figures out it's here and now you're trying to find this person that's low key, killing people, taking them to the schools, oh, taking yeah. them there. And does the school guys know? Do the people that's accepting the bodies oh, yeah. understand why they're, how they're coming? Oh, yeah. At that time, yeah, at the that time were, period, yeah. yeah they wow. knew. They kind of... They were in on it. They yeah. yeah. Probably easy for the cover up. Somebody of that much distinguishing can 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 give more of a. I'm sure they probably had validation. some you know between mm-hmm. people in between some middlemen. But, uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. And you know, I mean, you think about it. The only serial killers we know are the ones that were bad enough to get caught. Yeah. True. <laughs> like that's, that's that's a good point, man. That's the creepy part. It's like you know, you only know about them once they've been found out about. I mean, there are still some that are going on now, or you know, that were cold cases. That's that's insane. I think it was the uh, the Green River Killer. Maybe am I thinking correctly? This is familiar though. It the title was, does. Yeah. They just or no, sorry, Golden State Killer. Okay. To out where, California. Yeah. Uh, Green River Killer, they never figure out who it was either. Mm-hmm. But the Golden State, uh, they just now, within like a past couple months, finally tied up all the cases that he had. And they had him arrested for about a year or so. How interesting is that, though, to investigate that? And to then, be somebody that tries to you know dig up and figure out what, you know, where these guys came from. Where That's unreal. That blows my mind thinking on that, man. And, and there's so many, I hate to say the term cool stories, but they are mm-hmm. cool stories mm-hmm. that, you know, nobody's heard about and nobody knows about. And that's one thing that we really wanted to hit on with this podcast. Oh, awesome. Is like uh, the story of the Bell Witch. Boom. You know, one of my friends, she brought that to me. And before kind of researching it for the podcast, I had never even heard anything about it. I've, of course, seen it's, the movie. It's, it's a cool story. I've read a few things on it, but that is amazing. Um, I'd really like to. My, my fiance is super into going on, on walks and on story walks and, mm-hmm. and visiting, uh, you know, Waverly, visiting places in Ohio. Um, we kind of do a lot of this stuff on the side. Um, the mystique when you go into those places is hypnotizing. Yeah. Do you guys get like that? Oh, yeah. Like when you're listening to it and you're there and you're kind of in the experience of what's going on, it kind of makes you think and, and your your physical body isn't like completely there with me sometimes. It's like I'm dazed out listening and thinking and pondering about what's going on and what I'm learning about. Well, I mean, and too, there's, you know, places like Waverly, mm-hmm. there's such a big historical imprint with those places it's unreal. to where if you think about what was going on, you know, back in, was it the 1950s? Mm-hmm. That? They closed down in like the mid fifties. So I before think. then, mm-hmm. I mean, just think of all the people that were there and yeah. you know, being an old TV hospital and it's everything. Probably yeah. been 10 years since I've been, but it was kind of depressing. Um, cause you know, at one point they went through and they did a lot of research on the patients who were there and they would mm-hmm. put up little bios. You'd go into the room and be like, so you actually get so kind of intimate with each individual yeah, person there. It was wow. kind of sad. Like I wasn't scared at all. I was like, Oh, this had to suck. It was emotional though. Right. Yeah. And that's what, that's what the, that type of talk does. It, it triggers emotion kind of mm-hmm. like music. 
It might be why I'm so intrigued. To speaking of music, though, man, we got a radio station, guys. Hey, I'm gonna kick it to I'm gonna kick it to a song real quick, man. Uh, Slim, are you back there with me, man? How of you doing course. today, dude? Uh, man, I'm about half awake. About half awake, half asleep. <laughs> you just need, need to drink your big old drink of water, man. Go go outside and see if you can't see a good old set of boobies at the car wash across the street, man. That'll I, wake you up. <laughs> I got a I got a one liter Mountain Dew over here, and I did see some earlier. Hey, <laughs> that's a good thing, man. Um, this next song, man, this is a band called Next to Nothing. Um, this song's called Graveyard Skullface Records Radio. I guess you guys, man, we kind of touched on a little bit of what you got, what to expect from your all's podcast. Um, a little bit of the weird, a little bit of the strange. Um, Jason, man, I hear you're a writer, or or I've done some, uh, yeah, fiction, horror fiction, sci-fi fiction. Published um, just a few small short stories and a couple small magazines. Well, here at Skullface Records, man, we do a segment um, where we read um, short stories. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do poets. We do books. 
Um, a guy that's actually uh, our singer for Ashes of Atlanta, his mother wrote a book. She's from Atlanta called Well of Rage. Mm-hmm. And we're actually reading that chapter by chapter. We do chapter by chapter a week so people can follow along and, and learn the learn the horrors of Well of Rage. Um, if you're interested in anything like that, man, um, definitely get with me You know, when we finish up here and stuff, sure. man. If you'd be interested in reading it yourself or having somebody else reading any of your literature or anything like that, man, that's okay. amazing. Um, do you write? You said you're a musician. Do you happen to write any of the songs or anything? Or, or? Uh, No, I've, I've only been doing the bass guitar thing about, what, two years? Okay. Um, my, my good friend Scott, um, mm-hmm. he's had bands uh, locally for several years. and. Oh, cool. Uh, he met my friend Mike, who's a really great drummer, and they started jamming. They're like, "Come over and just mess around." Because I, I was a band nerd in high school, played trombone. Like so I can, like, I can do this. You know, bass music. Here's a bass. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that's how I got into it. So I don't really call myself a musician necessarily, mm-hmm. but I've learned to play a lot of cover tunes with them. You know, I've noticed the most mod, the most modest musicians are always the best and the most focused. The ones that come over and toot toot toot, I can do this, I can do that, man. Sometimes they they talk uh, they talk everything they can do, and then you you get here and, and that's what you expect, and then that's all they got. People that don't really the modesty, man. Uh, I bet I bet you get down, man. The, the, I, the, I, the songs I know, I know. Uh-huh, yeah. Songs I don't know, I don't. I'm excited. Know. I'm excited, man. I'm excited to have you in the studio. I'm excited to have both of you guys in the studio. Um, we're doing the big old welcome to Skullface. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> We've been having a good time. Uh, they've showed up, man. Uh, I'm a talker. Everybody out there knows I'm a talker. We haven't shut up. Yeah, we uh, we got a lot of stuff. It seems like in common. Um, I think your all show was amazing. Um, I know we haven't put it, the first show out yet for the audience to hear yet. Um, but man, your guys' chemistry was great. The topics were great. I don't want to spoil anything that was going on for it for the viewers, Mm -hmm. but I think you guys got a really awesome thing to do. Um, What made you guys decide uh, to actually do a show together? Like, what brought you guys together to do a show together? This ain't our first radio. Yeah. I'll say we, uh, does anyone tell them about the Geeks Boutique? That was kind of your baby. Uh, Yeah, we had another podcast called the Geeks Boutique. Again, kind of hard to come up with a name, but that's what we landed on. Um, we did that for a good two and a half years, maybe 40-ish episodes. Oh, gotcha. Okay. Yeah. And one of the segments, it was kind of a smattering of, of nerd culture, pop culture. Um, so we had different segments that were widely different. Um, and, but one of the segments was a horror section, and that could be films or TV or novels or graphic novels Great. called The Mausoleum. So almost every show had one little segment, usually 20 minutes or so, where we'd pick a movie or something. We'd review it in the mausoleum as part of the Geeks Boutique podcast. Perfect. That's cool shit. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of, you know, we, we found that we really loved that segment. We had kind of kicked around the idea of doing a horror podcast. I love the idea. And then one of my friends, Eric Dutton, mm-hmm. he, uh, you're uh, friends with, he was like, hey, I know this guy that's looking to have some podcasts for mm-hmm. his label. And I was like, all right. And I was like, Jason, what do you want to do? He's like, well, let's do something horror related. I was like, sounds awesome. Let's Dude, do it. It was, it was perfect timing, man. We actually have a guy. Uh, we, I have a, these guys are in a band called Shocker. They're out of Cincinnati area. Mm-hmm. And they do a watch along horror movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> On night, they call themselves Toxic Taste. Um, it's great. And mm-hmm. uh, we want, we're going to do like a whole horror block type deal That'd where it's going to awesome. be like the new paranormal horror show that me and Ronnie's doing. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to be doing graveyard, grave digger radio, and then we'll have toxic taste as well. And it's going to be like a good four hour block of just some really good, interesting mm-hmm. talk, man. And I know, uh, like I said, my, uh, my fiance, along with all of her friends and a lot of her coworkers is nothing, but that's what they want. 
you know when they're when they're at work doing stuff and they're they got music or whatever going on the back that's what they want to hear they want to hear interesting horror talk so when they're sitting down and they're trying to freeze their uh, you know ease their mind and relax for a second they hear something that interests them they might want to look up something um man are either you guys familiar with the mothman prophecies i love the moth we're gonna do an episode on the mothman that's more sex we need to we need to touch on that we need to touch on that big time later on uh, i've uh yeah cryptids are definitely we're gonna have a big cryptid segment too i think the way we kind of kicked around the idea i mean it's not set in stone yet was do kind of one episode that's like a, a cryptid or mm-hmm. a, a real life horror story, yeah, kind of like we be- did for the first episode, and then do the another episode to be mm-hmm. kind of a movie review, mm-hmm. the ins and outs of it. You know, do something like Cujo, The Shining, and then also perfect. do some of the new stuff. Too. Yeah, man, that sounds perfect. Sounds interesting to me, man. I'm excited to start hearing it, man. I've got a it, department I work in at UK. We have a professor who who specializes in horror films. Oh, great! And he's done a few episodes with us, and so those can be a little bit academic, where he walk he walks through like different themes, mm-hmm. especially modern horror. It's got a lot more intellectual. I mean, you still got your slasher stuff and your gory mm-hmm. stuff, but. There's a lot of uh, good horror now. A lot of it's black horror, yeah. which is kind of a new genre that has taken off in a good direction, whereas mm-hmm. before it was kind of negative. Um, he does, we talk about that a lot, and I'd like to keep that sort of segment going about with the horror films and kind of like an academic almost review. Awesome, man. man off that, dude, I'm going to take it to the next song, man. You're talking about black horrors. Um, this uh, next band, we released an album for them two weeks ago. This is Cannibalistic Death Cult. Um, this is black <laughs> metal. So we might have we have to correspond the two, man. It sounds like the type of music to be playing at the beginning of a black horror movie or something like that, man. Um, this is Cannibalistic Death Cult. This is Eastern Nightmares. Skullface Records Radio. studio man we got jason 
It seems like he's one of the most awesome dudes that's going to walk into the studio today, man. And we got Zach. What's going on, man? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got like, Zach. I'm, I'm the hype. I'm Jason's hype man. It's okay. Oh, so I put him out there and I'll promote him. I've always got, I've always got a kick out of uh, out of tooting the horn of the first person I talk to and then shooting to the <laughs> next one. I like always see. I like to see the response they get out of it. Someone will be like, mm, "Okay." Oh no, no, I'm just here. <laughs> I'm, I'm just kind of garnish on the plate. I'm Jason's. Jason's the content. I'm kind of the color guy. That's how we always. It's really been. refreshing to have a couple guys in here that's uh, that knows how to talk and knows what they're knows what they're want knows what they're doing. Man, um, are you guys both? Um, unfortunately, a lot of people from this area you talk to is not as intellectual or as interesting to hear <laughs> talk about um, but are you guys both from originally from kentucky or are you guys from the area yep mm-hmm. so i'm from georgetown so just up the road early. okay great and then jason winchester yeah. winchester my brother lives in winchester yeah yeah good old winchester we want to do a side country project called winchester swamp water Oh, yeah, well, I was drinking L.A. when it came in. Exactly. I, noticed it. I noticed it, man. We are L.A. Uh, fiends, man. Like I said, I, I don't know a, what they put in that stuff, but oh, my God. It's something different, man. It's something a little bit extra, man, that makes you want it. It's mm. got to be crack. It's something, man. <laughs> <laughs> Our dude from Iowa came down, man, uh, Aaron Douglas, and I turned him on to... I turned him on too. I should, I should re-edit that. I, I didn't turn Aaron on when he came down here. How do you think we got in the studio? Right, <laughs> you got to turn everybody on to get them in here. I thought it'd be more cameras. <laughs> I didn't even see a black couch when I came in. Right, the are kind of hurt. Out, it's out back, uh, man. So he, uh, I drink bourbon. I'm a bourbon drinker. Heck yeah, I drink a lot of bourbon. Um, I mix it with uh, ginger ale every once in a while. Mm-hmm. But from around here, ginger ale's L8. Yeah. 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 So so um, I showed him an L8, and now if he was to walk in the studio right now, he'd have an L8 in his hand. <laughs> He's not lived in Kentucky one day in the last month and a half, two months, and not drinking L8. That's how powerful it is. Yeah. It's like, the real deal. It can't be good for the intestinal tract. Though. <laughs> it's a lot of sugar. A lot of sugar, a lot of caffeine. A lot of sugar, man. It's going to be gut rot. Man, we're going to be right back in the studio. We got the boys from the Grave Digger Radio podcast. Um, we're going to be right back. This song is called The Backup Beatdowns, To Be Forever. Skullface Records Radio.
Man, the backup beatdowns to be forever. Zach, Jason, what you guys got going on after today? You guys doing anything? Any plans for, for your Sunday afternoon? Anything like that? I've got I've to drop off a commission to a customer. I do a lot of artwork and everything. Oh, wow. So What'd you make, man? It's a, uh, a life-size, light-up, 3D-printed Green Lantern, like the, uh, the, what you, the charge, wow. charge the ring with. Oh, yeah. We're big-time comic nerds, too. So, so he was like, man, I want... All the Green Lanterns, because I think there's like nine different colors. He was like, I want one of each. I was like, Dude. all right. I was like, if you got that kind of money, just throw at it. Sounds yeah, great I'll make it. Yeah. Like, hey, that's my thing. I was like, if, if you want money, it, I will make it. Yeah. If there's money to be had. Oh, this sounds really bad. If there's money to be had, I'm interested. <laughs> $20, $20. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> Times is tough. Well. That's cool, man. I'm, I'm, I've been seeing some of the stuff you've made, man. Uh, um, uh, Aztec Death Whistle. Yes. And you didn't yeah. bring it. I know. I kind of feel like I... I you should have popped that out at any time and be able to... You mount it on the hood oh. of your car. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious, having the wind make it scream. Well, uh, when it was printing, so the 3D printer actually has a fan in it that kind of cools stuff oh, uh, gotcha. as it's printing. And so while it was printing out, you could hear it slowly Ooh. kind of screaming. Oh. With, you know, so it was like the 3D printer was breathing and everything. How fucking epic would that have been? You oh, should have cool. recorded that in slow motion and put that for an oh, intro. Oh, no. <laughs> so for people that don't know... An Aztec death whistle was something that the, uh, the Aztec warriors would blow before they went and basically killed somebody. Oh, wow. And it's a really neat little whistle. It's kind of shaped like a skull, and when you blow into it, it screams. So one of them is terrible. <laughs> I couldn't imagine, you know, 20 or 30 of these out in the middle of the rainforest somewhere where you know somebody's out there trying to kill you. Or you're, you're over there with your buddy, man, and you guys, like, just found a big old, like, plant of grass. And you're like got your feet in the creek and you're just hanging out. And then all of a sudden you hear the death whistles from up the hill. You're like, motherfucker. <laughs> well, so, you know, so when I put it together, of course, I had to go out and test it out. And so I was like, well, let's just see how loud this thing is. So I blow into it. And you can hear dogs like in the neighborhoods over start barking. I was like, oh, shit, man, it's the cops. Because <laughs> like, it does. It sounds like somebody being horrible. You got pickles up the block shitting in the fucking floor because you're blowing the Aztec whistles. <laughs> That's hilarious, but man. Yeah, I was like, all right. So I made it for a customer. I was like, man, this is fucking cool. Uh-huh. I got to make another one or a whole bunch of them. Man, man, I, like an air compressor. You ever wonder like who you're making this stuff for? Like who? I don't ask oh, questions. Yeah. As long well, as dude, the check clears. Well, dude, we have a we have a Halloween party wedding. I'm getting married on Halloween this nice. year. <laughs> and if we could maybe uh, figure out how we can get a pretty good size Aztec death whistle. <laughs> I think that might be something that needs to be some of the decor. You for may now blow the Aztec death whistle. We blow I, it before we get married, like directly before <laughs> I get married, I blow on the death whistle. I'll, I'll get it hooked up to like one of those big yee truck uh, horns, so you hit a button and it'll just shoot air. Death whistle do us part. The weird thing is, my old lady would love it. Yeah, she would oh, be like, it's "Mother, cool. she'd be like, it's badass." It, it's like <laughs> but one that's of those, never happened uh, before. Like the like the kids' wooden train whistles. Uh-huh, yeah, yeah. It's like one of those dredged up from hell. Yeah, exactly. Satan's version it of it. It's awesome. <laughs> I was like, I'll take 50 of them. Man, so, so man, we're at a radio station, man. Music. Music's a big thing in, I feel like, almost everybody's life. Um, Jason, man, I hear you are a little bit of a musician, and you maybe have a little bit of a project going on. Is uh, you like to talk about that at all? Yeah, uh, me and some of the fellows, like I mentioned before, the guys that got me into playing mm-hmm. the bass guitar, mm-hmm. um, we played a lot locally, uh, a little bit less this year. Mm. Um, yeah, everybody, right? Yeah, and we just haven't even tried to put ourselves out there as much. I think we got burnt out last year. We we did a wedding that kind of broke our spirit. Oh no! Even though it was a blast, it was it was, a, good, it was a great experience. That we were all stressed out going into it, and like, oh, we got to nail this, and it's a lot of money. Nerves so, are real when it comes yeah. to playing music. Yep. 
it's 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 hard to get out of the out of the out of the nerves and figure i have a i have like a ritual routine mm-hmm. you know I, I i drink some drink some, a lot of bourbon <laughs> That's what I do. A little bit of tea. A little bit of tea. A little bit of tea with it. A little bit of tea with a little bit of bourbon. Exactly, man. Nothing too cold or anything, right? Um, I'm going to head to another song real quick, guys. Um, This is actually, this is Swamped and Ashy. This is actually a metal band that I'm involved in. Um, This song's about uh, being killed by a zombie. It's kind of cool, man, right? This is Swamped and Ashy. This is Here I Come, Skullface Records Radio. live in the studio we got jason we got zach we got dj slim in the back man you yeah. still you still rolling back there baby baby yeah, i'm still rolling i got the songs going at you man i'm trying to keep you busy back there man we're we're, we're the we're, we got the gift of gab up here though man with zach and jason it's okay like it's easy this making it easy peasy lemon squeezy it's totally fine <laughs> i promise man here rolling in shortly is going to be my band side view um, I hope you guys get a chance to listen to some of our new music that's coming out and stuff, man. Um, we'd like to you guys to you know get what you can and and, and, and love the stuff that you find with us, but the, back towards you guys as well. You know what I'm saying? If we can promote your business, it seems like you're really you're a crafty dude that can do about anything he puts his mind to. Yeah. And with your music, you were talking about maybe doing a three or four song demo. Yeah, we've more, been trying to get one together. And... More than welcome, man. We'll set that up and get it in. Do you guys have a name or anything like that that you're going with now? Uh, the country. Outlaw country slash classic rock. 
slash whatever is called mm. the Blue Tick Whalers. The Blue Tick Whalers, the Blue Tick Whalers I love it. <laughs> what about that, That is dude? great. That's yes. a hell of a name, man. Uh, again, Scott, the lead guitar player, lead singer, he's got this uh-huh. old Blue Tick Bloodhound. What's Scott's last name? I've heard, I've heard his name now. I want to know who Scott is. Dills, D-I-L-L-S. Scott deals, man. Yeah. He deals the riffs, deals the tastiness, yeah. don't he? And his band is called the Kung Fu Lips. They, it's all original rock. The Kung Fu Kung Lips. Kung Fu Lips. Wow. You I may have heard them. Lips. They did Cosmic Charlie's about last year, about this time. I, I, th- I think so. Man, a lot it, of stuff near campus. I think the Kung Fu band I heard was called Kung Fu Grip. <laughs> I think it was. I don't think it was that one. I'm not sure. I have to make. Uh, uh, they should yeah. play together. Yeah, they should yeah. get, to, get together. All Kung Fu extravaganza. <laughs> that would be a wild fight. And if something breaks out, everybody was Kung Fu fighting. Hey! <laughs> man, we're going to take this to another song, man. This is Valenian. This is To the In Between. We'll be right back here on Skullface Records Radio.
So, man, thanks. Thanks, you guys. Thanks for, for coming in. Thanks for... No, I'm, our I'm pleasure. Sorry. We had to... Man, we went through... I went through a spell where I was a little sick for like three or four days. I felt like shit. My shit's and, Rona. Yeah, it was, that's what we thought, man. And he went to West Virginia for, for to visit his family and stuff, and we kind of just slowed down, and it all happened on that day where the electric went out. We couldn't fucking get down here, <laughs> and shit all went to stuff, but now it's all like kind of back, and I'm glad we got to get you guys back. I, I felt like shit. I hate rescheduling. I hate not being precise and being on time, yeah, so having good. you guys back in here and and getting it in, man, is refreshing. It's a pleasure to meet both of you guys. I can't wait to get both of you back into the studio. Is there anything you guys want to plug or talk about, man, before we get out of here? No, man, I think we're just super excited to, to join with Skullface Records. It seems like you've got an awesome well, you are together. You guys are more than welcome, man. And we, 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 like I said, the olive branch is down. If you guys want to come down and do shows here, if you want to need any help, uh, contact us with any questions you have. Make sure you hit me up with your band. Definitely. Um, we're going to get out of here, man. we got something special for you guys to check it out as we're getting out of here, man. This has been This Week in Skullface Records Radio. Welcome, Gravediggers and Crypt Crawlers, to the Gravediggers Radio Podcast. Today we're going to 1800s Tennessee to the area of Adam Station to dig up the facts on the Bell Witch. Hang on a minute, Crypt Crawlers. I thought we were going to leave our sex lives out of this, Zach. Well, I mean, you know, the pandemic's been a little slow. you got to get it where you can. <sighs> Can't argue. The majority of today's information comes from the 1894 book Authenticated History of the Bell Witch by Martin Van Buren Ingram. That's a name for you. I know, right? It's kind of kind of stately. It's named after the president. I, w- I would assume so. I mean, I don't I'm not super brushed up in my history, but I think as far as he'd probably been after the president. So in 1804, John Bell, a farmer from North Carolina, along with his wife and children, settled in northern Robertson County, Tennessee. They lived a quiet, peaceful life here for the first 13 years, with the family being members of the Red River Baptist Church, where John became a deacon and the family were somewhat prosperous. Okay, sidelight to that. Um, about the same time, there was another family that moved into the area. The Bats family. Not a bad pun here. B-A-T-T-S family. The wife of that family was a Kate Bats, and they kind of had some bad blood start between them and the Bells. Really? Like what kind of bad blood? Well, from what I found out, the Bats family kind of ran us into some misfortune, forcing them to um, kind of need to downsize the, the plot of land that they bought. So John Bell ended up kind of extorting them, like really low-ball offer, but they were in a desperate situation, so they kind of had to sell to him. Also, I guess both families were slave-owning families, and the Bats family also had to let go of a, a young slave girl, which John Bell also purchased at a much devalued rate. So on two occasions, the Bells took advantage of the Bats, and that may have started like a, a series of kind of, or a history of just ill will between the two. Well, it sounds like karma's going to eventually come around and, and bite them in the ass. Karma in witchy form. I like it. <laughs> well, for all that said, in the late summer of 1817, something would happen that would change their lives forever. 
Some members of the family began seeing strange-looking animals around the property. John Bell witnessed the apparition of a creature resembling a large dog, which he then shot at, and the animal fucked off. <laughs> I was like, what a southern thing to do. I was like, you see something, I was like, what's that? I don't know. I'm going to shoot it. Yeah, but I like the reference to the, the large black dog is what I found. And, of course, you see that a lot in, like, representations of Satan, especially in, like, almost fable-y kind of folklore stories like, like this. Well, I actually, then this is kind of a sidebar to this about why you see the black dogs. So in, it's believed there's an old folklore tale that the first person buried in a cemetery is that will stay there and is meant to, like, guide spirits onto the other side. Hmm. So the, where the black dog originates, a lot of times whenever a cemetery was first put together, they would bury a dog on the property huh. to be kind of a shepherd to the other side for spirits there. That's interesting. And so that's where a lot of the black dog myth stuff comes from. I, I was just watching an, an episode of an old British archaeology show called Time Team. Um, I, I binged the crap out of that. And they were just they were digging an old Celtic burial site. And like most of the corpses, they had human sacrifices and everything else, but there were a lot of dogs thrown in there. Like, yeah, hmm. it's supposed to be kind of like uh, guardians of the graveyard in a sense. And so that's where you see a lot of like, oh, the black dog. It's the spirit of the dog that was buried there to kind of christen the graveyard. Yeah, since they're man's best friend, I guess that carries over into the, into the <laughs> next life. I guess not all dogs go to heaven. No. Some of them are supposed to haunt there forever. And some may be the devil. Oh, chihuahuas. <laughs> Following the appearance of the dog, John's son, Drew Bell, noticed a large, unknown, bird-like creature perched on a fence on the family's farm that he reported as being of an extraordinary size, which, I don't know, it's like a bird-like creature. I, I wish there was a little more information on that, because now I'm kind of picturing, like, Big Bird from Sesame Street just hanging around, like, flipping them off yeah. and giving him the fingers he's going by. It's like bird-like, but then again, if it's bird-like, it's kind of a bird. It's either bird or it's not a bird. Yeah. Bird-like is, is weird. There aren't a lot of hybrids of the two. Well, going back to the black dog sighting, Dean, a slave of the Bell family, reported being followed by a large black dog on evenings he visited his wife. Then, activity began occurring in the Bell household itself. The family started hearing knocking sounds on the doors and outer walls of the house. Soon, there were sounds of a rat gnawing on the bedpost, chains being drugged through the house, stones being dropped on the wooden floors, gulping and choking sounds, and invisible dogs fighting. Fucking ancestors of Michael Vick or some <laughs> shit here. I also had that um, one night they were awakened to the sound of stones being chucked at the house. And that the, the daughter, Elizabeth, they called her Betsy, which will play more in the story later. But she was a subject to like actual physical attacks. Yeah. Uh, it says she was slapped, pinched, and reported being stuck with pins. Well, during all this time, John Bell began experiencing facial paralysis, which it sounds like oh, dude was having a stroke. Mm -hmm. People weren't the most healthy then. The phenomenon grew in intensity as sheets were pulled from the beds where the children slept. Soon the entity pulled hair and scratched the children, speaking of Betsy. Following all this, the Bells turned to a family friend, James Johnston, for help, inviting Mr. and Mrs. Johnston to spend the night so they could see the activity for themselves. After retiring for the evening at the Bell home, Johnson was awakened that night by the same phenomenon. That morning, he told John Bell it was a spirit, just like in the Bible. <laughs> I, you, gotta up the, you gotta up the Southern accent for that. After several nights of witnessing these strange things, Mr. Johnson suggested that more people should be told, and a committee was formed and an investigation started. Yeah, up until now, they kind of wanted it kind of on the down low, right? Like there's some stuff going on. We'll let, we'll let James in because he's a close family friend. He'll come, he'll pray, he'll... We'll get his take on it, but then they kind of accidentally maybe let the cat out of the bag. And I I saw in my notes, um, well, my research, that it was James during his um, you know, research that it was the first time that it identified itself as Kate. Yeah, that's actually, we're getting, we're just about to get to that. 
one of the things to be said too is it's kind of weird that they would form a committee especially in this time because a lot of times if you were seeing ghosts and spirits you were chalked up as the town crazy mm-hmm. and you know being a farmer and kind of relying on their relationship i mean nobody wants to buy stuff from the town crazy and so it, yeah it seems like it'd be a bad thing for more people to know about this it could have been more like a maybe an extended prayer group kind of situation you know if they're big members of the church and you know maybe they would bring in people to add more oomph to their ceremonies you know just i mean i mean that's a thing you know sometimes yeah. you'll bring in prayer warriors sometimes they'll call them to uh like just send up more voices to help out your situation well and if nothing else it brings more people to the area because hey you know let's go see this haunted house which people eventually did begin showing I mean, up i mean that's why i'd go away. i mean <laughs> well yeah so i mean it could be the premise for a good bait and switch to where it's like well people show up to see the ghost and then he starts proselytizing to him and now he's got more members for his church no i don't you know just the good old bait and switch <laughs> well soon Word of the haunting spread, with some traveling great distances to see the witch. The apparition then began to speak out loud. When asked who and what it was, it gave different identities. It once stated that it was the witch of a neighbor woman named Kate Batts, the same Kate Batts we mentioned earlier. Oh, hey! That is what many people believe, and from then on, this unseen force was called Kate, the Bell's Witch. <laughs> you know, a um, bit of trivia here, She asked, the Bell Witch actually had a twin sister. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. She was the whale bitch. Oh, you're proud of that. <laughs> I, I hate that I laughed at that. <laughs> I'm mad at myself. <laughs> you're proud of that one, aren't you? I No, not really. <laughs> when asked why she was there, the spirit offered diverse explanations of why it had appeared, tying its origin to the disturbance of a Native American burial ground located on the property, and sent Drew Bell and Bennett Porter on an unproductive search for buried treasure. I do wonder why that's been the oldest, one of the oldest troops in American horror is the Native American burial ground. I don't know. And is, and is this when like the, the cave came into the story? Like at some point now there's a cave where I guess the witch hung out in. Yeah. People go there and like to this day, like spooky stuff happens. I don't know what point the cave came into it. Maybe it was part of this searching I, I the ground. I think it's just on the property. Mm-hmm. And so it was, well, it was near there. So that must be where the, the witch lives. But there is some spooky stuff about the cave that we'll get into later in the episode. Ooh. Well, with the emergence of full conversations, the spirit repeated word for word two sermons given 13 miles apart at the same time. The entity was well acquainted with biblical texts and appeared to enjoy religious arguments. As another amusement, the witch shared gossip about activities in other households and at times appeared to leave for brief moments to visit homes after an inquiry. But Jason, you had like some insight onto why she'd be able to give the same sermon 13 miles apart. You said something about like they were kind of on schedules or whatever. Oh, right. Um... Me and my family were Anglicans, and we're on the same church calendar as uh, you know, the Catholics and I believe the Episcopalians and the Lutherans. So, you know, if someone were trying to perpetrate a hoax or something, that would not be a hard, a hard thing to pull off because you're on the same schedule. You're usually getting the same uh, scripture passages and you know very similar sermons at, at the same time of the year, depending on what church you go to. And do they just kind of recycle the sermons over and over? Kind of thing. Well, I mean, the, the theme would be the same. So, you know, unless you're literally writing this down word for word, you know, you'd be like, oh, oh, they know they're talking about, you know, this passage, and, and you, it's going to be very closely related You, if you knew the church calendar. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So, I mean, if somebody knew those, oh, well, it just, you know, it's a good coincidence, but it's not that big of a shocking thing to have happen. No, not at all. Oh, okay. Even I learned something new today. Yeah. Even. Right. <laughs> well, then, John Johnston. God, they're not very creative with these names. Everybody's a John or a James. <laughs> no. What, speaking of which, a son of James divides a test for the witch, something no one outside his family would know, asking the entity what his Dutch step-grandmother in North Carolina would say to the slaves if she thought something had, had gone wrong. The witch replied with his grandmother's accent, Hut, tut, 
What has happened now? In another account, an Englishman stopped by to visit and offered to investigate. On remarking on his family overseas, the witch suddenly began to mimic his English parents. Again, at an early morning, the witch woke him to voices of his parents, worried as they had heard his voice as well. The Englishman quickly left that morning and later wrote to the Bell family the entity had visited his parents in England. Which is kind of wild that it's showing so far back and forth. Yeah, that's just cracking me up because I can picture some ghost being like, Cheerio! Chap, chap! Yeah. What, hey, governor! And, <laughs> Hello, governor! <laughs> just fucking janky teeth and everything with it. Oh, very British. Smart people. Very smart people. <laughs> None of my British friends are listening, so we're fine. Oh, we're fine. At times, the spirit displayed a form of kindness, especially towards Lucy, John Bell's wife. The witch would give Lucy fresh fruit and sing hymns to her and show John Bell Jr. a measure of respect. I had a... A note here that in the 1820s, Lucy had come down with pleurisy. You're the medical guy. Maybe you know what that is. Some yeah. kind of lung thing. Yeah, it's it's like a, it's an infection of the like the lining of the lung kind of in the area between the... You've got like two sacs on your lung and it's like an infection there. Mm. It's like some bad business, though. It's like... Yeah. It knocked her out for a while. It's it's really painful to breathe. And so people were, you know, because they're not breathing as much, they're kind of lethargic. and Okay. So apparently she had a bout of that in the 1820s and the, the, the witch cared for her while, while she was ill. Huh. Weird that she'd be so hateful to the you know Mr. Bell and then take care of his wife, but yeah. then torment the daughter and say, "Ah, I'm not sure what's going on here." It's oh well, yeah, I mean, it's I don't know. Maybe she had some common ground with Lucy, or you know, if it was Kate Bats or something. Well, it seemed that Kate had two main reasons for visiting the Bell home. The main one was to kill John Bell. For what reason, no one knows because Kate never gave a reason why. The second reason was to stop John's youngest daughter, Betsy, from marrying a certain neighbor boy named Joshua Gardner. John Bell began suffering from spells of swelling of the throat and often had the feeling of a stick being stuck sideways in his throat. Oh, I thought you were going to say somewhere else. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it kind of sounds like he had a stick up his ass too most of the time. But that always reflects me when somebody says they feel like they have a stick stuck in their throat. Uh Have you ever had a stick stuck in your throat to know what that feels like? choked on a lemon drop once. Well, yeah, but it's not a fucking tree branch. No, no. So it's like... Also, you got choked on a lemon drop. Yeah, when like, I was a kid. Oh, okay. I was thinking like yesterday. <laughs> no, no, no. It was like when I was 10 or something. Well, then came the twitching and jerking of the facial muscles. Over time, John Bell became weaker and weaker, referring to John Bell Sr. as Old Jack. The witch claimed she intended to kill him and signal this intention through curses, threats, and afflictions. So he's totally stroking out, right? Yeah, I mean, sounds it, like, it sounds I mean, like he's like classic symptoms. Just kind of going downhill in a hurry. But Jason, you had some insights on the name Old Jack as to why she may have given that nickname. Oh, I also, I mean, I believe in folklore, like sometimes that's, that's kind of a, a name like given to the devil or, or demonic type character, Old Jack, kind of a trickster. In a, so, you know, you know and in Kate, if she is the witch or is perpetuating the rich hoax, you know, she's trying to get back at them for their dirty business dealings from, from back in the day. So, yeah, I mean, she might refer to him as some kind of shady character, huh. like an old Jack. Well, on December 20th, 1820, the witch went so far as to fatally poison John Bell. Afterward, the entity interrupted the mourners by singing drinking songs at the funeral. I mean, if it was like an Irish wake, having that'd, a singing ghost that'd be would awesome. be cool. And when I, when I kick off and there's a witch ghost showing up and singing drinking songs, that'd be epic. I'd say, die just for that to happen. I will show up at your funeral in like full ghostly motley <laughs> <laughs> and just sing obnoxious songs. In the Ingram account attributed to Richard Williams Bell, John Bell was already suffering from an unknown affliction and bedridden for some time. It sounds like he just kind of eventually just died. Yeah. John Bell's son, 
John Bell Jr., found a vial in the cupboard after his father did not wake. The family called Dr. Hobson while the Bell witch exclaimed she had fed poison to John Bell. Alex Gunn and John Bell Jr. tested the poison on the cat with a straw. <laughs> Which reportedly died within seven seconds. Poor cat. What? <laughs> okay. <laughs> See, but like when they say they test it with a straw, I literally picture him like mouth pipetting up this poison. Right. If you and ever like, had to give medicine to your cat for any reason, it's not like, <laughs> oh, I'll have a lick of that. No, <laughs> yeah, that's not the way it goes. It's like they're trying to like suck it up and it's like, oh, God, don't get it. <laughs> well, being asked how she administered it, being asked how it was administered, the witch said by pouring it in the dinner pot. Well, it sounds to me like somebody just poisoned John Bell, like somebody in this family had it out for him. I was like, oh, they magically found the vial after he died? Yeah. It's like, how? why would they have even been looking for it? I'm sure it wasn't something that was just set right there in the front of things and easy to find. I know, and I keep coming up with reasons John needs to go away. Like, uh, again, with Betsy, like, there were, I believe there were several suitors, as they might say in the day, for her <clears throat> affections. So if, like, he ag agreed to one match but didn't agree to the other match you know maybe people would get involved to change his mind or just rub him out if he was this old codger standing in the way of young love but in the in the research it didn't really say anything oh i'm totally him. speculating oh yeah no i'm yeah. same here because it, it didn't really refer to him being for or against the engagement or anything mm -hmm. well in 1821 as a result of the witches and treatment betsy bell called off her engagement to joshua gardner fearing for the lives of her and the rest of the Bell family. After the engagement was called off, the entity told the family it was going to leave, but return in seven years in 1828. The hell's it seven? Seven years, seven days. <laughs> get, get a little more original, geez. Well, the witch returned on time to Lucy and her sons, Richard and Joel, with similar activities as before, but they chose not to encourage it, and the witch appeared to leave again. I just picture him walking by this, like, horrible floating entity, like the, uh, was it the bent neck woman from the haunting the hill house yeah that's a great and, show and it's like i don't see you i don't see you <laughs> or like it's just sitting there like dragging chains with her and they just like roll over or pull the covers up real quick it's like yeah. nope if i don't see you you don't see me i'm totally fine i like all the casual conversations like hey witch <laughs> yes <laughs> what do you think of who's winning the super bowl this weekend you know right well i did like how you could send it to like spy on people I yeah guess if you were kind of a naturally nosy person that would be kind of a it's like my ex-mother-in-law Oh, God. I mean, is she the Bell Witch? I mean, entirely plausible. Yeah. We we can't prove that she's not. <laughs> I mean, has anyone seen your ex-mother-in-law and the Bell Witch in the same room at the same time? No. Well, then there you go. It's entirely possible. Same reason I could be Batman. Several accounts say that during his military career, Andrew Jackson was intrigued with oh, the yeah. story. Oh, and this, this is great. Love this one. And his men were frightened away after traveling to investigate. The Bell household was strained of resources from visitors, and Jackson brought a wagon load of supplies with his men. Nearing the Bell homestead, the wagon stopped and appeared fastened to its position despite considerable effort by Jackson's men to free it. Jackson exclaimed, By the eternal, boys, it is the witch! <laughs> <laughs> And get ready for that, because by the Eternals <laughs> is his fucking catchphrase for this entire encounter. A metallic voice was heard in the vegetation. All right, General, let the wagon move on. I will see you again tonight. See, why can't it ever be like a seductive voice that says it's going to see you again tonight? Yeah, I mean, you know, some witches look pretty good. I don't I mean, mind it, especially around Halloween time. Yeah. Well, the horses began moving again. Instead of camping out, the party stayed at the Bell home that evening. Among the Jackson party was a witch layer, not a witch slayer, a witch layer. Is that a typo? Which, as uh, I've seen some witchy women, and I most certainly would not mind to be a professional witch layer. <laughs> that sounds like the job to have. Well, this witch layer boasted of supernatural exploits. Tiring of the bravado, Jackson whispered, By the Eternals, 
I do wish the thing would come. And that's what she said. <laughs> I want to see him run. This is catchphrase, this whole by the eternal thing. I think so. Or she just ticked off and it's like, as per my last email. I think that's how you need to start closing out emails is by the eternal. By the eternal. Or start it with them. Well, the entity arrived and taunted the witch lair to shoot her. The man's gun would not fire. That does happen after a certain age. <laughs> Especially after a couple strokes. <laughs> <laughs> the witch countered, I'll teach you a lesson, and appeared to beat the man and let him out the door by his nose. Jackson exclaimed, By the eternal, yeah, boys. Yeah. I never saw so much fun in all my life. This beats fighting the British. <laughs> <laughs> the witch told Jackson she would uncover another rascal the next night. That morning, Jackson's men chose to leave home as they were apprehensive as to who was next. In the manuscript attributed to Richard Williams Bell, a son of John Bell, he wrote that the spirit remained a mystery. Whether it was witchery, such as afflicted people in past centuries and the darker ages, whether some gifted fiend of hellish nature practicing sorcery for selfish enjoyment, or some modern science akin to that of mesmerism, <laughs> or some hobgoblin native to the wilds of the country, or a disembodied soul shut out from heaven, or an evil spirit like those Paul drove out of the man and into the swine. Pretty sure that's illegal in most states now. Or a demon let loose from hell. I am unable to decide. It covered all his bases there. Though. I kind of, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, especially for 1804, he's about nailed everything. Nor is anyone yet divine. Or lawyers. Nature. It could have been a lawyer. <laughs> it's always a lawyer. And that's how we ended up getting sued in our first episode. Hey. hey. It's, been a, it's been a good run. And I trust this description of the monster in all forms and shapes. Dude, you described fucking everything. <laughs> and in many tongues will lead experts who may come with a wiser generation to a correct conclusion and satisfactory well, explanation. Clearly he means us. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. A wiser generation. Well, in the introduction to the book, Ingram published a letter dated July 1st, 1891 from former Tennessee State Representative James Allen Bell of Adairville, Kentucky. Hey, hey, a little bit of local lore here. J.A. Bell, a son of Richard Williams Bell and a grandson of John Bell Sr., Explained that his father had met with his brother, John Bell Jr., who was also his cousin. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I was like, this family tree is a little wonky. His brother, cousin, father. <laughs> I am my own grandpa. And they agreed that no material he had collected should be released until the last immediate family member of John Bell Sr. had died. The last immediate member of the family and youngest child of John Bell Sr., Joel Egbert Bell. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't read the name Egbert and not laugh. And if you are named Egbert, I sincerely apologize. It's a grand old Anglo-Saxon name. Yeah, but it's still funny. Kingly name. Well, he died in 1890 at the age of 76, so I don't think he's going to give a shit what we say now. Well, now... His lawyers might. Yeah, no, get him. We're going to get sued in the Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, now, 75 years having elapsed, the oldest members of the family who suffer the torments having all passed away, and the witch story still continues to be discussed as widely as the family name is known. Under misconception of the facts, I have concluded that in the justice to the memory of an honored ancestry and to the public whose minds have been abused in regard to the matter, it would be well to give the whole story to the world. Is he saying it's fake news? I, I'm not entirely sure. The public's it's, mind is abused often. Yeah, and it's, it kind of reads a little back and forth there as how it was, you know, when I was reading through it, I had to read through this a few times to even understand it, you know, just the way it was written in 1891 yeah. at first it's saying like don't publish it but in the end it's like well give it to the world and that everybody should know the story it's mm. kind of bizarre j allen bell expressed the belief that his father manuscript was written when he was 35 years old in 1846 which is you know almost 30 years after the events that occurred and hell i can't remember what happened at breakfast someday yeah but historically speaking like something within living memory is considered a primary source and pretty reliable 
That's fair. As far as this stuff goes anyway. I mean, from, you know, Tennessee in 1804. Yeah. He stated his father gave him the manuscript and family notes shortly before his death in 1857. Richard Williams Bell was roughly six to ten years of age during the initial manifestations of the Bell Witch phenomenon and 17 of the occurrence of the spirit's return in 1828. The reported contributions of Richard Williams Bell, approximately 90 pages in length, are recorded in Chapter 8 of Ingram's work, entitled Our Family Trouble. Well, it's putting it lightly. Yeah, I know. For all that said, mostly bullshit. <laughs> According to Brian Dunning, a well-known skeptic, no one has ever seen this diary, and there is no evidence that it ever existed. Hmm. He reported, conveniently, every person with first-hand knowledge of the Bell Witch hauntings was already dead when Ingram started his book. In fact, every person with second-hand knowledge was even dead. Dunning also concluded that Ingram was guilty of falsifying another statement. But how did they die? by murder (laughs) well and in regards to the andrew jackson connection that's also bullshit yeah that sounded far-fetched as soon as i came across that i'm like you're taking the most famous tennessean of the time you know this is the day before dolly parton yeah taking the most famous tennessean of the time and somehow shoehorning this cat into the story and it's like oh come on it's so weird because it's like you jump the shark yeah yeah, that's exactly (laughs) what i was gonna say it's like well boom you know who can we add to spice this tale of it i know andrew jackson you know i mean it's yeah and and then the president showed up he's got nothing better to do that'd be like saying hey we're recording this podcast and the president just plopped down in for a visit to see what was going on the best podcast ever yeah exactly you want to hear a better podcast today i mean you're not wrong (laughs) oh god did i disagree with your impression of trump (laughs) it's pretty bad though this is a bad thing well, so as far as that goes, there was no evidence that Andrew Jackson ever visited the Bell family home. And during the years in question, Jackson's movements were well documented and nowhere yeah. in history or his writings is there evidence of his knowledge of the Bell family. According to Dunning, the 1824 presidential election was notoriously malicious, and it seemed hard to believe that his opponent would have overlooked the opportunity to drag him <laughs> through the mud for having lost a fight to a witch. Yeah. Tell me about you and this witch, Mr. Jackson. But that being said, it's still a fun story, and and there are still some kind of modern things that go on with it. So the Bell Witch Cave, which is actually, I guess kind of how i got onto the story because mm-hmm. some friends of mine they like to go and explore they um they kicked me onto it and i think it's really just on the property but there was a story i want to say it was from the 70s there was a girl she went to explore the cave and she was about halfway back in it and then her her torch went out and she couldn't get it relit mm-hmm. so she just started crawling along the ground of the cave well when she got to the mouth of the cave there was some like discarded food wrappers there and some like uh, trash and come to find out there was two escaped convicts that were using the cave as a hideout and yeah. So it's kind of said that the Bell Witch may have protected her through the cave. There's uh, there's another story of a group having a party, and they saw the figure of a woman standing on top of the cave, and so they all got scared and ran off. Mm-hmm. Well, then the next day they came to investigate, and it was just the moonlight hitting a rock. They yeah. were just kind of a weird rock on top of it. I mean, I like the cave thing because, again, like, historically, like, the caves are always associated with, like, passageway between the the real world as we know it and the worlds beyond and all that stuff. So. Oh, really? I'm not. I'm actually not super familiar with that background on them. Well, I mean, it's, 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 it goes ancient, ancient times. It's just a passageway, you know, into the underworld, even the stories from like Greek mythology and stuff. That's how you get to the realm of the dead and stuff like that. So it's, it's cool to have it in the story. All right. Well, that's been our, our fascinating dig into the Bell Witch. Sounds like some good stuff. The height of the activity was what, 1817 to 1821. Mm-hmm. And then it became, became this big snowballing story that picked up people along the way, like freaking Presley. <laughs> 
United States. Right, yeah. So who knows? It's hard to parse out, you know, the the truth from the myth in, in that story. Well, guys, thank you for joining us for the first ever episode of Gravedigger Radio Podcast. Hopefully you'll tune back in for some more spooky stories. We'll see you soon. Have you ever heard of a podcast? People listen to them. They subscribe to them. They love them. As a business, doesn't that sound like something that you'd like to be a part of? You can when you hire the pros at Skullface Records Radio. Imagine, you'll have a team of creative and technical people and a killer podcast to spread the word about your business. Getting old biz into new media is not for the faint of heart, but it can happen with the help of Skullface Records Radio. Get a free estimate by emailing skullfaceradio at gmail.com or call 8 859-588-6456 today. Some creepy guy is stalking you in the parking garage at 3 a.m., but you're not worried because you have a Bright for War Industries knife strapped to your belt. Don't be a victim in this crazy world. Protect yourself. Carry a knife made by Bright for War Industries. It may save your life. Hi, this is Josh for Bright for War Industries. I'm a professional knife maker with 15 years experience. If you're looking for a unique gift or a high-performance piece of cutlery for the kitchen, the field, or for personal protection, look no further. Look for me on Instagram at Bright for War. Need some t-shirts? Want some merch for your band? Stickers? Whatever you need, let Special Tees hook you up. T-shirts, car decals, and more. Fast, friendly service with a smile. It's just under their mask. Special Tees is now the exclusive provider for Skullface Records Radio t-shirts. Call Brittany the Best at 859-588-2165. 859-588-2165. Shipping is available for an extra cost. Special Tees of Cynthia. Would you like to donate money to our cause? Shit ain't free, man! This stuff takes money. Every little bit helps. We can do a commercial for your business. You can make you money, and then we can make money. Want to sponsor a segment or one of our shows? Want to get famous, man? Want to sponsor a show? Multiple mentions, all kinds of publicity. Email us skullfaceradio at gmail.com. Don't forget the social media. Find us on Facebook facebook.com slash groups slash skullfaceradio Records Radio. This is Goosey from Goosey's Goodies. Are you looking for some goodies for your next party or event? Be sure to find me on Facebook so I can make you some custom baked goods. You can bet your sweet when I'm in the kitchen baking, I'm listening to Skullface Records Radio. Mention Skullface Records when placing your order and receive special discounts. Find Goosey's Goodies on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Goosey's Goodies 1. Don't forget the apostrophe. There is no apostrophe. Your short name is Goosey's Goodies 1. Live out your dream to be a superstar under the lights. Always the best crowd and crew in Lexington. Survivor's Karaoke Bar, 161 East Reynolds Road. Remember to tip your bartenders. You'll find Mama Nancy, Will, and the captain behind the bar. Always serving up the best drink. We got Brian, Bobby G, and DJ Hi-Fi in the booth. Just ripping it in karaoke. Survivors. 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 The best in karaoke in Lexington. Karaoke starts at 9 o'clock. Mitch's Skullface Records on Friday nights for drink specials. Survivors. Survivors. 
Survivors. Survivors. Survivors is on a mission to have the best and safest karaoke bar in Lexington. We ask all our patrons to practice social distancing and please wear your mask. Temperature taken upon entry. Survivors. 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 161 East Reynolds Road, Lexington, Kentucky.